This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. For Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors Guarantee. Terrific service department that backs it all up every step of the way. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. And, uh... Let's now bring in, because it is Tuesdays, time now for the best half hour of the week. We call it Tuesdays with Neil. Sir, welcome. You bet, guys. As always, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay, so the Steelers play uh, against Jacksonville. It was It's not an unexpected result. They lose Kenny Pickett in the game. Mitch Trubisky has to come in. And has to play. So this is a hard team to read in so many ways. So where do you see where they are offensively now that they have to go to the backup quarterback and not have the starter? It's a weird situation to be in where you honestly wonder if the backup quarterback today is better than your starter. But after one half from each quarterback, I don't think the answer to that question even matters with the way that they played. Um, they're in trouble because that, that's you're getting, uh, as it was, Kenny Pickett confirmed just recently from the Steelers' locker room that he's going to play Thursday. So you're getting an injured short week Kenny Pickett. Um, he had a full week and wasn't injured the prior week, and he played terribly. It, it was a really poor game for Pickett. Uh, Mitch Trubisky came in and frankly didn't look any better. Um, I was kind of surprised that they would give Pickett this start um, just for the sake of Trubisky having experience, Pickett being hurt, and Pickett just not having played well enough for me to believe their offense is significantly hindered if Pickett is not in there and it's Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Um I, I, I don't know. I, I think this leads to what you just said. I, it, it, it's hard to read. I think this is one of the harder Steelers games to kind of get your hands around uh, that we've seen, largely because they, they have such a weird relationship with this opponent. Um, they always play each other tough. It doesn't matter which one of them is good or bad or either or both. It, it's a short week game against a wounded team that is – you know, pretty desperately in need of a win as well, which is where the Steelers are. Uh, the Steelers' record on prime time seems to, to override any other potential issue going into a game. Uh, and the fact you're facing a rookie quarterback on a short week that had just one start, and I don't know how much of, of Will Levis that you caught last week, but He's that good. was just a weird performance from him. I don't know what Atlanta's defense was doing. Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't know how many throws he got away with. I don't know how many of those throws were legitimately ones that he's going to be able to do week in, week out. You know, to, to put the subcontext to it all, 
I don't know what we know about Will Levis right now, and I'm not sure if that's more of a Tennessee problem or a Pittsburgh problem. So I could go either way on this game. Um, what I know is it, it's one of the shakier quarterback matchups of probably the entire season, and it, it, this really could just go either way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, Levis did throw the, the four touchdown passes in the win over Atlanta, but it was such a strange game. And it's not as if, you know, and I, I, you know, I know Will pretty well, uh, you know, from his time here. And that's sort of what I saw here. The, you, you could see the, like, wow, and you could also see the whoa. There was stuff in his game. That, I mean, two, two of the touchdowns were clearly blown assignments. What I right. will say is this, and this, this is what would worry me if I'm Pittsburgh. Without Minka Fitzpatrick cleaning up the back end, he's already been ruled out. Uh, wouldn't be surprised come Friday they put him on injured reserve. Without him in there, and perhaps more importantly, with DeMonte Casey trying to jump phantom routes like he did that gave up a 60-yard touchdown that ultimately made the real difference in, in the loss against Jacksonville, Will Levis is aggressive. If anything, we saw that because blown mm-hmm. coverage or not, he identified DeAndre Hopkins five yards ahead of everybody else down the field. That's a concern if you're Pittsburgh, because Pittsburgh became vulnerable to big plays uh, the second that Minka went down. Jacksonville didn't quite exploit that as much as I thought that they would, but KZ and and Keanu Neal is not a, a very good safety tandem. And Tennessee might look right now as look we've got a deep ball they don't know what our tendencies are going to be because we've only played one game it was three days ago they haven't had a whole lot of time to really decipher everything that we're doing we can take some shots in this game we can get the ball down the field in this game that worries me on top of that you're going to have Joey Porter Jr. with with a full complement of of snaps Um, not that that's you know, by any means worse than, than Levi Wallace having a full complement of snaps. But you can test the rookie. You've seen enough on him. I, I, I think Tennessee can be aggressive, and that can be, you know, a, a great thing or a nightmare for any team doing that. But as a defense, if they're going to challenge you on big plays, you better be up for it because they can beat you in a hurry, and you can end the game in a hurry, and you'd really like to do that with an injured quarterback um, leading an offense that just simply can't do anything and hasn't in uh, uh, really to any point this season. All right, we're a year and a half into Kenny Pickett, and part of this is based on the personnel around him. So I want to at least couch this question with that part: Where is he better than when he started with the Steelers, and where has he not been able to fulfill some of the promise? I'm going to start with the second one first. My big thing with Pickett, I, I really liked his deep ball. I felt uh, he had great touch, uh, good anticipation. Uh, you know, he's not going to throw the ball through a brick wall or anything, but he can get the ball downfield to a place a receiver can make a play on it. I haven't seen – I've seen overconfidence, and I've seen probably worse mechanics. Um, than what it seemed like he had previously. I'm not sure why that is, but uh, his deep ball accuracy is not where I thought it would be um, come this point. Now, you know, to to throw my own couch into it, um, I don't know how much of that they're doing. I don't know how much of that they're able to do. 
and it's fair to, to bring that into question. But uh, he's missed pretty badly on, on more than a couple deep throws uh, this season and last season. Beyond that, his accuracy is nowhere near what you hoped that it was. Um, and oddly enough, I feel like he's gotten worse in that regard uh, mm-hmm. from where he was as a rookie. Right. Um, if, if, plain and simple, for me, if you knew this is what he was going to look like after 17 games or after week seven of his second year, if you knew that this was what he was going to look like, you would absolutely not have drafted him in the first round. Right. And that's the problem. And I, I don't know how you get around that at this point. He's gotten enough time not to flesh out fully where he's going to be, but that ceiling is shrinking every day. At what point is he going to reach it simply because he's not improving anymore? Um, I, I have largely lost faith in, in his ability to do that. And that doesn't mean that he's incapable of doing a few good things. He's led some nice fourth quarter drives. I'm just having a tough time figuring out why it is that he can only play well on two, maybe three drives a game. And it, it is that bad. That's not a dramatic statement. Um, he was flat awful against Jacksonville. Um, we talked about this after the San Francisco game. He missed badly on a couple throws. Jacksonville might have been worse. Deontay Johnson had absolutely no reason to have not scored a touchdown on that pass, and, and Pickett missed yeah. him because, one, he didn't see the primary route. I don't know how that's possible for an NFL quarterback. He didn't know that that was there. And then he threw it late, way behind the wide-open receiver, who clearly was, was frustrated with the fact that that did not result in a touchdown because it should have. And he, it, it seems like he puts a play like that uh, on tape at least once a game, and he's done it in the end zone a couple times a game. So we talk about a team that doesn't score points, and we're blaming the offensive coordinators. All right, well, here's 21 points they should have had over seven right. games. Not so. everything, but this is not the coordinator. That play was perfect. Johnson ran a great route. It, it happened the exact way they drew it up. And Pickett didn't see it and then missed the throw. It's just simply inexcusable. And I don't know how much longer it lasts. I'm sure they'll they'll continue giving him the ball. But he's got to get a lot better, uh, plain and simple. He's got to get a lot better if he wants to have a, a career in the NFL for you know an extended period of time. This is a period of time where Kirk Cousins is now out for the year. Justin Fields has been out. Uh, Pickett, Pickett got hurt. Kyler Murray's been out. You start going through the long list here of guys, to, you know, and you're starting to see, for example, Dobbs went to the Vikings. You know, they they made that deal, but uh, does the league have a quarterback problem? Because they got a lot of guys that aren't playing right now. Watson's been out. I think overall. My thought would be that this this is a that that's a real complicated question, and it's one that you can see, but to to define it, I think it it, it takes quite a bit. My guess would be uh, teams are really playing back. You know, there there was a point they showed this from the end zone cam, and the situation clearly depicted their their desire to do it. But Jacksonville had eight players twenty yards down the field. <laughs> And yeah. you look at it like that, it's just kind of odd to see the game played that way. And obviously that, that, that's an exaggerated example. But they're playing cover two, cover three deeper than, than what they have in the past. They're really trying to limit 
uh, big plays. They're cutting off the seam. Linebackers are, are far more uh, really big defensive backs than they were uh, really small defensive linemen. You know, that, that has shifted. I think that's given teams more versatility in uh, pass defense. And quarterbacks are, are tending to not take as many shots down the field. Uh, and they happen to be going the, the defense's way. On top of that, I wonder, and the, the, the stats won't necessarily bear this out, but I, I wonder, um, in response to everything quarterback-related over the last 15 years, you saw a rise in the, the uber-athletic, the best athletes on the field, these these six-foot-six defensive ends that should be power forwards in the NBA <laughs> are coming on the field to rush the passer. And they're far more successful than they used to be. They're getting a lot better. We're seeing every team has a guy that's getting 12, 13 sacks. And they're not throwing the ball as deep as often. I think some of it has to do with that. And some of it is the, the, the pass rushes are getting so good, it's limiting offense, not a, a huge degree. We're talking about you know one more sack over the course of a game uh, over over a season is the difference between bottom third and, and top three in the league in sacks. It, it's that wide of a margin. And that, when you apply it everywhere um, across the league, you're going to see passing numbers, relatively speaking, uh, dropping a bit. I, I think it's hidden in the numbers like that. I think it's, it's more um, subtle. We're not going to see one glaring example of it. But in the end of the day, I, I, I'd be willing to bet right now there are just fewer deep pass attempts than there have been and with that obviously fewer completions uh, that are coming with it they're not trying it as much and they're not hitting what they are trying uh, at the same pace as they were five ten years ago to me an intriguing team's Detroit Uh, they play a little bit different they'll run the ball a lot more St. Brown is a really good receiver to me, Jared Goff is Jared Goff, but I think it's the best of Jared Goff. When you watched the game on Monday night, what did you think, A, of them? I know the Raiders are not very good. But B, a guy that was the first overall pick in the draft and was basically thrown out the door in Los Angeles, what do you think of him right now? I, I think that's a fantastic question for both reasons. Because you look at the Lions right now, in a way, it's almost like after Forrest Gump's shrimp boat was out in the hurricane and happened to survive <laughs> and everyone else got destroyed. So yep. he cleans up because of that. The Lions are built to play this style of football. They're completely comfortable not throwing it deep down the field. And defenses, we saw this with the Raiders last night, they're still playing back. They want to take away, which they did. But it's like, okay, fine. We're going to run the ball a lot. In case you haven't noticed, we're good at that. If yeah. you don't want to defend us in that regard, okay, we'll roll over you all game the way they did. That might have been the least entertaining game all year unless yeah. you enjoy laughing at the Raiders. It, right. it's, it, the Lions are built to play the style that everyone else is being forced to play, I think. And it's not perfect. Um, you you mistakes early, it can be a lot tougher for that team especially with Jared Goff as a quarterback. But at the same time, Goff is almost like what the Raiders were praying Garoppolo could have been in the sense that we want you – here's the sheet. Play these notes, okay? We're going to produce the track. This is all we want you to do. Stay within this and we'll be fine. 
Garoppolo can't even do that, but Goff does it just fine. Yeah, he's he's physically talented enough to do everything that they're asking him to do. He doesn't have to win the game for the team. I know how crazy that sounds because that's everything we want the quarterback to be. But Goff just simply goes out, makes throws he has to make, doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot, not trying to do a ton, and they're playing well enough on defense to to keep them in games, and then let a, a, a creative and explosive running game speak for their chunk plays. And if we need to, we have a great receiver we can hit the ball deep, deeper down the field to. But we're going to run the ball. We've got a lot of these guys that can do this. We've got an offensive line that really enjoys beating you up up front. We're going to keep doing this. Do you want to play this way? Because, you know, this, this is our game. And if you can't, we might run you out. And that, that's that to me, that's really what happened last night. I think in a way it's kind of a microcosm of what the NFL is, is turning to. In other words, you're going to see even more Lions coaches get hired this year than probably every Lions co- coordinator who's ever been hired in the history of the NFL combined. Yeah, right. Well, look, he has, um, to his credit, Dan Campbell has his own way of going about his business, and guess what? It works for the team he has. In other words, they have a team that fits the coach, and the coach fits the team. Fair? Yeah, it's almost – you hate to say this because obviously it's not true, but it's, it, it's almost like they all did it by accident somehow. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Perfectly for what they need to do. And you're, you're exactly right. They'll they'll continue uh, to, to do well under the way that, that Dan Campbell is having them play, and they don't have any problem doing that. What happens now with Minnesota? Because I felt Kirk Cousins was really settling into being the best version of himself, and now this happens. We saw um, not long before we got on this call, the Vikings traded for former Josh Steelers Dobbs. legend Josh Dobbs. Um, yeah. I think that's a Band-Aid more than anything. It really is kind of a throwaway trade. The Cardinals know Kyler Murray's coming back. So uh, with that, uh, they don't need Josh Dobbs. And it gives Josh Dobbs a chance to go play somewhere, which I, I think he deserves in this kind of a situation. Um, I, I felt, and not a whole lot of people you know, would, would agree with this, I don't think. But I, I felt Kirk Cousins was playing at a really high level this year. I agree. Uh, the best football he has played in his career. He really was getting what McConnell was, was telling him to do, and it really seemed like they were starting to build uh, with each other. I wasn't sure prior to injury. I wasn't sure if this was going to be uh, his last year in Minnesota. All signs pointed to it, but I, I, I think they were going to make a little bit of a run. He was playing really, really well. Um, a real tough injury, obviously. Um, it, 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 you know, it craters their chances. I don't think they're there as a team, but there's a lot to like with Minnesota. The, the, the amount of blitzing that they're doing, the, the fact that their, their defense is coming together with that, they're kind of a sneaky, tough team to play. You know, they, they, they're, they've laid some eggs uh, up to this point, but I think that could have been a real tough team uh, heading down the stretch. Um, with Cousins out, you get Dobbs in there because Dobbs has experience as a starter. You don't want to show that you're giving up, and you're really not. You know, I think they're swapping a six and a seven, which is nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, to get a, a, an experienced starter uh, for your team is probably not going to have a clue what he's doing for a couple weeks. But uh, you know, Dobbs has that resume too. He, he started for mm-hmm. teams uh, unexpectedly mid-season before, and. Um, you, you wish him well. I mean, Josh, it, it, he's he's a good guy. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. You know, for for uh, for the path that he has taken to still be in the NFL, to still be desired enough uh, to need 
possibly, probably not, possibly the start uh, for you next week. Uh, it, it says a lot about the improvement in his game that he's made. And I, I thought he played pretty well a couple times this season. Um, I don't think it's going to be enough to, to bring the Vikings to the playoffs, but you know, weirder things have happened. Um, I, I'd pull for him for sure. I think it's a great story. Last one, and I know this could bring with it a longer answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Are you seeing a little more edge to comments that fans make, whether it's on a talk show or a comment section on a an article, where you wonder to yourself if gambling has entered into the level of anger with the comments? That's a good question. I would say yes, but I think that's because the situation's right in your face. I would yeah. not say the outcomes of games are extraordinarily different. I think right. weird, fluky things happen. I think officials make calls that we don't agree with. Um, none of it to me, or it, put it this way, if there is some type of gambling conspiracy it has been going on for 60 years because this is usually kind of what it looks like. People that are engaging along those lines, um, one, I think are really late to the party. This has been talked about for decades and, you know, Mm -hmm. probably happened far more often prior to to nowadays. Um, It's convenient. Um, The NFL, when gambling was legalized, they went to make money on it. I, I don't, see why that's so confusing for people or they think that it's it's hypocritical i don't think the product is being affected uh specifically by it because it 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 hasn't been legal in 49 states but people could have done this in in nevada for a very long time Mm -hmm. so if it wasn't happening why is it all of a sudden happening now it doesn't make any sense um if it is happening it was probably happening for a long time before and it's something that we've never you know specifically found out about i don't think any anything revolutionary has happened but i will say this with 20 years of experience dealing with with the digital space it upset fans will complain about absolutely everything after losses so it, mm-hmm. it's none of it is particularly surprising uh you get used to all of it um I've heard presidential rulings get blamed for a team's loss before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fans just get upset. They're passionate. They're involved, and uh, sometimes might not be thinking, you know, in the most rational uh, or sober state of mind when when they haul off and freak out about things of that sort. Sir, always a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. And Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, almost Wharf Online, sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors Guarantee, terrific service department. Whether it's routine or difficult, they can handle it. They need more technicians, too. A great group to work with and to work for. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, almost Wharf and online, sunburymotors.com. So, Josh Jobs dealt to the Vikings from the Cardinals. 
Um, today, Dabo Swinney was at his press conference, and and he did say, "I've got a long way to go to in this profession. If they want to back me here, I'm going to fight like heck to get this back to the standard." Okay. Uh, when he came out, he asked everybody what they were going as for Halloween. I would just have some fun kid around. And with somebody in the back said, uh, Tyler from Spartanburg. And everybody laughed, including Sweeney, who I guess laughed out loud about it. So, right. And he talked about how hard it is to win. He says, all you have to do is look around the country. What's happening here is historic. We're having a bad year. That's my responsibility. Ain't nobody happy about it. It's on me 100%. I'm not asking people to be happy, Let's, but let's not eat our own. He says it's gotten to a point where even if you win, people are miserable. He's right about that. I said when I got here in 2008, you've got to be all in. Too many people are only half in. And by the way, Clemson has Notre Dame this Saturday. They still have to play Georgia Tech, North Carolina, and South Carolina. Well, Georgia Tech just beat North Carolina. And that tells you how tough it is to win in the league because North Carolina had a lot of things going for it. I mean, like, really going for it. Including one of the better quarterbacks in the country. And Drake May, who's going to be a high, high NFL pick. They lost in double overtime to Florida State. Clemson turned the ball over three times against Miami. Lost in overtime. Last week, they lost by seven to NC State. And an interception was returned for a touchdown. So they have endured mistakes. And let's be straight here. I mean... You know, Clemson won games over the years because they feasted on others' mis- others' mistakes and kept their mistakes to a minimum. Well, guess what? They're now the team making mistakes. Okay? How do you overcome the mistakes? And he knows that. My goodness, he's won the whole thing twice. And... I mean, that's where they are. And he talked about turnovers. He said, look, he says, the bottom line is, he says, the number one problem is we're last in the nation in fumbles. The number two problem we have is we're last in the nation in fumbles. The number three problem we have is we're last in the nation in fumbles. He said, he says, and I'll give you number four because we've had the misplays in the red zone. He's right, you know. It's not as if he's not right. I mean, that stuff happens, unfortunately. It's not what people want to have happen. But he's feeling heat. 
you can, I mean, a fan base can get spoiled. No question. You know, there's always that hunger as you're climbing, you're climbing, you're climbing. There's hunger, you're climbing. Okay. And then you get there. And then the hard part is to stay there. And that's where that's where they are right now. And Clemson is in that position like the USC's, the Texas's, the Alabama's, the Penn State's, the Michigan's, the Ohio State's, the Oklahoma's you know, of the world. You're the biggest game on everybody's schedule. And it doesn't matter whether you're playing Ohio State, Michigan, or you're playing Indiana or Northwestern. You're the biggest game on the schedule. And you've got to be up to it every time. All right. It this is the um there've been a lot of great things about baseball this year. A lot of great things about baseball. But something that is a little bit different. Is to me the lack of the depth of starting pitching in Major League Baseball. I think that that is a big problem. It comes to light tonight. Andrew Haney's going to be on the mound tonight for Texas. Now, he did start 28 games this year out of the 34. In the postseason, he has two starts in the four he's appeared. He's been okay. But tonight, Arizona, in the World Series, is going with a bullpen game. In the World Series... I mean, Joe Mantiply is going to start tonight, the left-hander. Okay. So this is going to be the fourth time this season he's been the opener. It's This is the old school guy in me coming out here. But you're using an opener in the World Series? Really? Now, I wonder if... I don't know if that means Brendan Fapp's coming in after him. I don't know. And Garcia's being looked at today, and if he's out of the lineup, that's a big blow to Texas.
But evidently Joe Mantle is going to start tonight. Then, then Brendan Bat's coming. I get that looks like what they're going to do. I mean, they've listed him as the starting pitcher tonight, as the probable. Now they haven't put out lineups yet, but that's the probable. Yikes! And again, we'll see what the deal is with Garcia, and we'll see the deal with Scherzer. Scherzer would not have to come back till Game Seven in Arlington. Um, Garcia is the one, obviously, offensively. Big issue. And part of the problem that Texas has when Scherzer went out last night, Johnny Gray had to come in. And when Johnny Gray came in, who did, by the way, tremendous job, I think that kind of put their pitching staff into flux um, because they didn't expect to pitch him last night. That, I think, has thrown a wrench into to it for them. So we'll see. That is tonight. And Aaron Judge won the Roberto Clemente Award. And let's give credit where credit is due to him for doing that. Um, and it's for character, community involvement, and philanthropy. Tremendous honor. And everybody will tell you that, you know, Aaron Judge certainly carries himself in the clubhouse or other places as as one of the good guys of the game. Um, now, when I say that, if Matt were here, here I'd probably would have, would have bypassed the story. Just kidding, Matt. Um, Adolis Garcia is going to undergo imaging on his left torso. They want to make sure he's all right. Uh, Bochi said we're being optimistic here, but we'll know more today. Okay. Um, now, you'll know what they think if they replace them on the roster. And if they do that, they would be ineligible to come back. And today... James Franklin was asked about Harrison Wallace. If you're asking, why do I call him Harrison Wallace and everybody calls him Trey? I said, what do you prefer? And he told me Harrison. That's why I call him Harrison Wallace. Because he told me that that's what he preferred. I said, okay, hey, if that's what you want, I'm with you. Um, and he said, no, there's no update on him. Uh, meanwhile, Mayan Williams will miss the rest of the season for Ohio State undergoing surgery. No specifics on what the procedure that was done. Um, whether he got hurt in the Penn State game or not, I'm not sure. Because Trip Trainum did come back in the game at one point against Penn State. And I wonder if Williams got hurt in that sequence, because but he needed surgery, so he's out. 
Um, and now for the Deion Sanders story of the day. He's called on the NCAA or the Rose Bowl to reimburse his players who were robbed of jewelry, cash, and other items from their locker room in the loss to UCLA. Uh, Bruins officials confirmed Monday that the athletic department has filed a report with the Pasadena Police Department regarding items that were reportedly stolen. Um, And... uh, Sanders said most of his players did not have insurance for the items that were stolen. What exactly was taken has not been specified. He said, I'm going to have to have a list made out for the young men. I know they're going to be truthful about what they lost, so we can try and get it back for them. He said they may not be able to get items back, but they should be able to get reimbursement money. Okay. There's that one. Uh, Brian Ferentz is out at the end of the season as the offensive coordinator at Iowa. Um, Beth Getz said, and she's the interim athletic director at Iowa, it's not my practice to be involved in assisting coaching decisions and certainly not to make public such a change during the season. Our priority is to put all our student-athletes in the best position at both short-term and long-term success on and off the field. Our football team has a group of outstanding young men, talented athletes. We're 6-2. and two. As a former athlete, I know every opportunity to put on the jersey is a cherished one. Okay? Making this known today is in the best interest of the program and its loyal fans. It provides clarity during a pivotal time in the schedule. The key was to average 25 points per game this season. Uh, an unusual provision. They had to win. They had to average twenty-five points and also win at least seven games. So they, you know, everybody referred to as the so-called drive to three twenty-five. Um, and they're well below it. Right now, they're averaging nineteen point five points a game. They're last in the nation in yards, two thirty-two. They're 118th in the country out of 130 in scoring, 19.5. Now they've lost Luke Lachey, Eric All, Cade McNamara, although Luke's uh, dad, Jim, told me, Jim Lachey, told me that he's, they're really hoping he can get back maybe by the bowl game. Um, 2021, Iowa averaged 20.4 points a game. Uh, uh, since 2017, they've averaged 25.3. So, Kurt Ferentz is going to address reporters this afternoon. Um, I've been here 34 years now, two different times. I've never witnessed a coordinator being relieved of his duties. If you don't think somebody is getting the job done, then yeah, you have to suggest that maybe it's time to move on or whatever. You just try to evaluate your people. That's part of your job. We haven't had much turnover here. They've only had three since he's been there. Ken O'Keefe, Greg Davis, and Brian. That's it. O'Keefe left voluntarily. He went to the Dolphins. Davis retired. 
after the tw- after 2016. That's when Brian Ferentz uh, moved up. So there you go. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay, trade deadline today in the NFL. Chase Young dealt by the Commanders to the 49ers for a third-round pick. They also dealt Montez Sweat to the Bears earlier. Leonard Williams was dealt by the Giants to the Seahawks uh, for a second-round pick next year and a fifth-rounder in 25. Um. Contavious uh, Street uh, traded to the Falcons for a seventh-round pick. And again, the big one now is Chase Young being dealt by the Commanders uh, going to the 49ers. And Josh Dobbs ended up going from the Cardinals to the Vikings because of the injury to Kirk Cousins. So there you are. Those are some of the big ones. It looks like the Raiders are going to hold on to Devontae Adams, although he didn't look very <laughs> he didn't look very happy last night. But there you go. Those are some of the trades in the NFL. Trade day. Trade deadline. Tomorrow, Mark Brennan's on the show. We'll talk Penn State football, a little Penn State basketball with him as well. He'll join us tomorrow. Roundtable. High school roundtable coming up on Thursday with the gang because it is playoff time. And the king with picks. Didn't talk about the James Harden trade to the Clippers. Never got around to it. No offense. Didn't seem important. Philip Petrusev and P.J. Tucker go with them to the Clippers. And the Sixers get Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Nick Batum, K.J. Martin, unprotected first-round pick, two second-round picks, which mean nothing. The Sixers also waived guard Danny Green to create roster space. My reaction is yippee-dippy-doo. I mean, you want to talk about a nothing deal? It's a nothing deal.